Hi, this is Stephanie Powers. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Very happy to welcome award-winning director, producer, screenwriter, playwright, and statesman George Stevens Jr., the son of Oscar-winning director George Stevens. George worked closely with his dad behind the scenes of A Place of the Sun, Shane, The Diary of Anne Frank, and Giant, four films that have all stood the test of time and was on his way to establishing his own career as a director when a unique opportunity to work with legendary broadcaster Edward R. Murrow brought George to Washington, D.C. during the Camelot era of John F. Kennedy and not only changed the course of George's life, but changed the course of film history in the United States through George's efforts with the American Film Institute, which he founded in 1967 and which led to the restoration of thousands of endangered motion pictures while also training a new generation of filmmakers, including David Lynch and Terrence Malick. Then there is the Kennedy Center Honors, which George Stevens Jr. also created to recognize the accomplishments of distinguished artists in film, television, and music, not to mention the many distinguished films and TV miniseries that George wrote, produced, and directed in the third act of his career. George's memoir, My Place in the Sun, will be available wherever books are sold by the time this program airs. George Stevens, Jr., welcome to TV Confidential. Uh, thank you so much, Ed, for that lovely introduction. And a belated happy birthday to you. <laughs> thank you, sir. You recently hit 90. Was that the impetus uh, to release your book? Was this something you'd been working on for a long time? I've had this in the works for a long time, and uh, I, I, I had stopped counting births. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I understand that because a creative person such as yourself who, uh, besides having good health, is gifted with a drive, you're, you're a doer. You got that from your dad. You got that from your mom in, in, in a lot of ways as well. And so, you know, when you've got this fuel to create things and, you know, develop things, it's like you don't worry about, you, you don't worry about the numbers. They take care of themselves. That's really true. I, I, work is my hobby. I mean, I love, <laughs> I, I love what I do and the, the creative life, making things happen. And doing this book is kind of a new reward because now actually talking with people like you who've read the book of my life, it's very stimulating to, to find out how people size it up and what interests them and what they care about. So uh, uh, I've, I'm very happy uh, that I've finished this book and it's out. And I just finished the book last night, uh, folks. If you are a fan of film history, if you're a fan of the golden age of Hollywood, if you want if, if you want an idea of, of how uh, and this is something we'll, we'll talk about uh, in, later on in our conversation, how in many respects, both Hollywood and Washington, D.C. operate along similar lines, even though, they are very, very different towns and very, very distinct industry. You will want to pick up a copy of George's memoir, My Place in the Sun, available wherever books are sold, also available online through Amazon.com. You spend about the first third of the book 
chronicling uh, the life and career of your father. Very, very influential on your life. But as we touched on earlier, you also talk about your, uh, a lot about your mom. She was very much a real character. And among other things, you learned from her the importance of archiving and preservation. That is all true. You know, I was blessed by having two wonderful parents. My father went away to war for three years when I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And so my mother was a stalwart in, in raising me. And my father uh, was a, you know, one of the great film directors who's, whose work stands the test of time. But he was also a wonderful father. And, uh, you know, many sons of famous fathers are noted to have had difficulties. Uh, I had none. Yeah. And I became his, eventually his partner in filmmaking before I made that jump to Washington. So it's, it's really a story of fathers and sons, my father and I and my sons. That's part of it. Yes, very much part of it. Father's Day is not is is not far away from us. I wonder if you want if if you're looking for a great Father's Day story, Place in the Sun by George Stevens Jr. available wherever books are sold. And you've got incredible recall, lot lot of detail in the book, a lot of great stories. And as and and, and again, this this is what I want to touch on. You know, the thing about your, your mom, she was sort of the family historian. You know, and the the access to all of you know the the papers and the letters and all the other things that um, are there and have been preserved. I mean that 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 is part of the richness of not only your story, but the many stories you share in the book. My, my mother was a keeper of things, and 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 my great grandmother was named Georgia Woodthorpe, mm -hmm. born after the Civil War in San Francisco. And she became a wonderful stage actress in San Francisco. And she played, uh, she was the youngest Ophelia to Edwin Booth's Hamlet. Edwin Booth was the greatest Hamlet of the American stage ever. He happened to be the brother of John Wilkes Booth, <laughs> yes. the man who assassinated Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. But my mother kept papers and of my grandparents and all of that, and that was great. But I tell you, you know, sometimes in, in writing a book, you remember things that, uh, and then you realize their significance later. Mm -hmm. um, and it, when, I think it was 1951, my father had come back from the war, and he made a film called A Place in the Sun uh, with Montgomery Clift, mm -hmm. Elizabeth Taylor, and Shelley Winters. Mm -hmm. uh, and we went to the Academy Awards, and my mother and my grandmother in the back seat, my father's driving, and then we, Dad and I sat together, and Joseph Mankiewicz, who was the president of the Directors Guild, came out to present the award for Best Director. And he got the list, and he said, African Queen, John Huston, The um, Desperate Hours, William Wyler, An American in Paris, Vincent Minnelli, Elia Kazan, A Streetcar Named Desire, and George Stevens, A Place in the Sun. It was a rather good year. <laughs> and A Place in the Sun won. And driving home, I just remember this. Dad was driving. The Oscar was on the seat between us. I was about 17 or 18, I guess. He looked over at me, and he said, you know, he said, we'll have a better idea just what kind of a film this is 
in about 25 years. Well, he was. People didn't think that way about films then. You know, it was there were no cinematics, there were no archives or streaming or DVDs. You know, pictures came and went. But he had this idea that the test of time was important, uh, the real importance of a film. And, and that, and that, he did not know that at that time he was talking to the future founder of the. <laughs> Of the of the American Film Institute, but I was I, I was going to if if I if I may, George, you know your 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 father's you know that that moment in the car where your dad said yeah we'll we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see if this holds up you know twenty five years from now um, yeah you know in the moment he may have meant it as a self deprecating remark but it also kind of speaks to what made your father singular among other filmmakers and and that um he had a sense of the big picture and he had a sense of the importance of film as an art form and as part of the fabric of our culture and that is something you definitely learned from him and and, and took it to the next level that is true we just uh Two weeks ago, a year ago, Steven Spielberg called me and said, Giant, my father's film, Mm -hmm. uh, he said, Giant is a masterpiece. He said, you know, there are problems in its visual thing because of over the years the dissolves have been affected. He said, we can do a restoration in 4K that will make it look the way it was the day it was released. And Stephen and I worked on that the last year with Warner Brothers, and it was shown at the Chinese Theater, used to be Grauman's Chinese at the Turning Classic Film Festival um, two weeks ago. And uh, in the same theater where the film premiered 65 years ago, and to sit, Stephen did a wonderful introduction with me, and to see an audience of, of younger people with the IMAX screen, look at this film, three hour and 20 minute film made 65 years ago and sense the reaction. It really speaks to what the test of time can mean to a film. And, uh, and he had that sense and he made, you know, uh, made the film to last and it, and it, and it has done that. On the line with us is George Stevens Jr., George Stevens Jr., born and raised amidst the glamour of the golden age of Hollywood, which led to friendships with the likes of Elizabeth Taylor, James Dean, Robert Wagner, and Sidney Poitier, while also working behind the scenes of four of his father's most famous films, one of which, George just mentioned, is giant. George Stevens Jr. moved to Washington, D.C. to work along Edward R. Murrow in the United States Information Agency making documentary films that helped other countries better understand the United States before founding the American Film Institute and the Kennedy Center. Honors George's memoir, My Place in the Sun, available wherever books are sold. Also available Amazon.com, wherever books are available online. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One of the most enlightening chapters of the book for me, George, yeah. was the chapter about the blacklist. Now, I mm. 
That is a subject we have talked, we have covered many times on this program, uh, particularly when you, when you discover some of the many actors who had been affected by the blacklist, character actors as well as leading actors. One of the things I did not know about was the role that Cecil B. DeMille played in spearheading the whole blacklist. Yes, well, he was, uh, he was Cecil B. DeMille was, uh, one of the first of the leading directors, and uh, he was uh, very conservative, mm-hmm. and he had a very strong attitudes about and fear of communism becoming a problem in the United States. And he set up a foundation to investigate people in the industry who were uh, suspected to be communists. And it became a, a, a great issue at the Directors Guild when uh, Joseph L. Mankiewicz, uh, who was the president, uh, they, he and DeMille got into a dispute, and DeMille tried to have him ousted uh, because of a loyalty oath issue. It's too complicated to explain in this broadcast, but it was a, a major upheaval mm-hmm. at the Directors Guild, and my father was instrumental in the resolution of it. Yes, and, and and again, if you're a student of the uh, of the blacklist, I mean it, that is the Georgia's chapter of, on the blacklist, and and the role his father played in standing up to Demille is is one of the most absorbing chapters of my place in the sun, which you can find wherever books are sold online. One of the things uh, I'm, I'm not an actor. I just talked to I just I just talked to actors and filmmakers on the radio, but. It's always fascinating for me to learn how different directors work with actors, and one of the th- one of the reasons why actors love working with your father was he gave them he gave actors room to operate while also maintaining control of the entire production. Exactly, and that's something you learned, and that's something you practiced when you became a director in your own right. We talked about how Washington, in one of our resets, we talked about how Hollywood and Washington are both industry towns. The industries are quite different, but I understand the dynamics of both Washington and Hollywood are similar because they are both built on relationships, and you share many examples of that, particularly in the second half of My Place in the Sun, where you talk about your career in Washington. Yes. Do you have a question? You want me well, to- I, I realize I don't always ask a question that ends in a question mark. Sometimes my questions are more like statements, and I'm hoping to trigger a response. Okay. Well, his- I, I, try to, I try to make this as much like a conversation as possible. Very good. Yes, I was brought into this world where my mentors became Edward R. Murrow and, and John Kennedy. Uh, I mean, the influence of John Kennedy – when it came time for me to want to do the Kennedy Center Honors at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, which is the living memorial for President Kennedy, uh, and I wanted to do this program honoring artists, uh, performing artists, I went to the head of the Kennedy Center and said one sentence. Uh, I said, I want to recite the words that are carved in marble on the side of this building. I look forward to an America that won't be afraid of grace and beauty, 
I look for an America that will honor achievement in the arts the way we honor achievement in business and statecraft. Those were the words of John F. Kennedy. It was the core idea of the Kennedy Center Honors, which have now been on on the air for uh, 40 years, mm -hmm. or, yeah, more than 40 years. Uh, so he was an influence. And then through the time the Kennedy, uh, in Washington, uh, you know, Hollywood and Washington, the interconnection became more pronounced. And, uh, you know, I, I guess during my time, I guess I have worked with and spoken with, I think it's eight presidents. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the fact that I've that had that experience in Hollywood, I think made me comfortable with people of standing. Um, and it all, all worked very well. And it was fascinating to know and, uh, and have experience with, with these people. A lot of uh, critics, a lot of observers of the medium point to Kennedy being the first to really understand the importance of television in the role of the presidency. But as you just touched on, he was very aware of the power of the entertainment industry and the power involved with the major studios. And uh, one of the stories you talk about um, and this was this was around the time you first came to Washington. Was uh, the production of PT one hundred and nine, which is the biopic of, uh, of of John Kennedy, that was made uh, during during the time he was during the time he was president. Cl Cliff Robertson starred, and you had a you 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 had to say working with Kennedy and who ended up directing that picture. Yes, in essence, actually, when I first come to Washington, I was just been there three weeks, and I was invited to a party that's given by uh, our Sergeant Shriver, who was the founder of the Peace Corps, who mm -hmm. was married to Eunice Kennedy, mm -hmm. uh, President Kennedy's uh, sister. And, and President Kennedy walked in unexpected at this black guy party, and I was talking with uh, a man called Newton Minow, who was the young chairman of the FCC. The vast wasteland. Vast wasteland speech yeah. with his famous speech. Yeah. And I, it was after dinner, and I was kind of talking along, and he said, have you met the president? And I said, no, and continued talking. And then I realized he wasn't listening to me anymore. <laughs> and I turned, and there was John F. Kennedy. I'd never... I'd never been in the presence of a president. And then, and so Newt Minow, who I'd, I'd been with at dinner, uh, said, Mr. President, George Stevens, Jr., he's come from Hollywood. Uh, he's going to work with Ed Murrow. And President Kennedy interrupted him. He says, I know about George. He said, but first, Newt, uh, I've got to ask you something. CBS earned X million dollars last year why can't they broadcast Jackie's tour of the White House in color? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was this was the program where Jackie, wonderful program on on uh, CBS, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was just the way Kennedy was. Yeah, he went right to whatever was on his mind, and he wanted to fix it. And then, but it, and it, I, I had no idea that he knew I existed. Uh, it never occurred to me, and, and it did turn out that he wanted to talk to me about the making of PT-109 and uh, the choice of a director. And uh, it evolved into a, it's a 
story you can read about in the book. But I ended up in a in a screening room with him, uh, and he made a rather dramatic decision. But uh, to have that first experience with the president, and and he was such an inspiring figure. On the line with us is George Stevens, Jr., founder of the American Film Institute, founder of the Kennedy Center Honors, and the author of My Place in the Sun, Life in the Golden Age of Hollywood, and Washington. We'll talk some more with George when we come back, among other things. We'll talk about his experience working with Jack Webb, Alfred Hitchcock, and Blake Edwards, all of whom influenced George during his early career as a director. Talk about that and more. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.